Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So I'm excited. Uh, You know, this is a a prophetic message. I was praying and God just really downloaded this into my heart. I was in Singapore before I came here. And this is, I think, the 10th message I've spoken in the last seven days. And, um, but I really felt like this is a prophetic word for this church. I could feel it. You know, I flew in, I flew in here on, I think, uh, was it Thursday? And I just felt like the Lord said, Mark, there's been a season of pruning even in the Western church and even specifically in Global Heart Church. But I heard the Lord saying the season of pruning was not to harm the church, it was to help the church. And I heard him saying, you tell my people that the season of pruning is finished, that this is the beginning. You know what he says? I'm going to prune them so they can bear more fruit. And there is a beginning starting today, I prophesy, of more fruit. I believe there is a great revival getting ready to hit Western Australia that will capture national headlines. And I do believe even today, I want to announce before God does it, uh, he said, Mark, I want you to share a word with the church today that this is the beginning of a 40-day window of miracles. I believe that God sometimes will give us numbers and dates, not because that's special, but because it actually gives us something to attach our faith to. And I believe 40 days is going to be a lightning rod from this church to believe God for his lightning to encounter us in a powerful way. And so I just want you to know, I really saw there is something very big getting ready to happen. God cut the rose bushes back because there is a large bloom getting ready to come. And I see it. I saw, I saw venues. I saw additions to this property. I believe there's even land in this complex that God is going to release over the next 24 to 36 months. The greatest services, the greatest crowds, and the greatest moves of God this church has not seen yet. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. God has never needed everybody to believe. He just needs somebody to believe. And I want to report that history has never been kind to the critics. It's always been kind to the revivalists. No one remembers the critics of revivals. They remember the leader of revivals. I could prove it to you. Tell me one of the 10 spies' names. You don't know them. Because it's always easier to criticize the move of God than it is to create one. It's easier to criticize good food than it is to create good food. It's easier to get on your little laptop in your mom's basement and criticize a church than to create a great church. History has never been kind to the critic. But I'll tell you, the way we criticize what we don't like is by creating. And there is a creation that God is getting ready to do in the Western Australian church. And I believe this won't be the only church, but this will be at the forefront of the churches that God is raising up Global Heart Church for such an hour as this. I heard the Lord saying there is not venues in Western Australia that can fit the crowds of souls that God is bringing into the kingdom of God. I want to be very clear. I know when God speaks to me, I like to have a good time. I like to laugh, but I know when the spirit of God is speaking. And I want to ask you a question. Would you be okay if you had, if you had 10 kids? I know that's, that's a farce. But if you had 10 kids, how many of you would be okay if you lost all 10? Let's just say hypothetically. I went camping. I lost 10 of my children. 
And during the camping trip, I said, kids, come back. And one came back, and two came back, and three came back, four came back. And I get to five kids, and I go, you know what? Five out of ten ain't bad. I drove home, and my wife would say, Mark, where are our other five children? And I'd say, well, the, the, the bad news was I lost all of them. The good news is I got 50% back. Is there a parent in this room that would be okay with 50% of your kids coming home? Why would you think God is any different? God's heart is that all would be saved. God doesn't want 10% of Perth. He doesn't want 5% of Melbourne. He doesn't want 1% of Quebec. God's heart is for the all. And I believe there is a sovereign move of God. And I'm telling you that before Jesus returns and he cracks the sky, there before the trumpet sounds, there will be a greater move of God on the earth than anyone has ever seen before. He's not coming back for a church that's broke, busted, and disgusted. He's not coming back for a church that's on hospice care. He's coming back for a church that's without spot, that's without wrinkle. Maybe like Orange County has some Botox. Come on. I've, I've done 65 weddings in my life, officiated, and I've seen all types of brides. I've seen short brides, tall brides. I've seen athletic brides. I've seen all different types of nationalities. You know, the only bride I've never seen is a dirty bride. And I believe that God is pruned and he's actually purging and he's washing his church. And he's getting ready for the greatest. Listen, his first miracle was at a wedding and his last miracle will be at a wedding. And it's when Jesus Christ comes to marry his bride, which is the church. If you believe it, shout amen. Sorry, I'm fired up, but it's a second service. I gotta, I gotta preach like I'm getting ready to leave. So if you have your Bible, Jonah's where we're turning today, and I have a prophetic message, and I want you to write this title down, 40 Days of Miracles. I believe over the next 40 days, God is gonna heal people that have been terminally ill. God is gonna heal people that have been sick with conditions for a long time. So even someone that broke parts of their, uh, there's bones that you broke that never healed properly that he's gonna heal today. There's someone God told me that came into this service trying to have kids for a decade or longer that God says over the next 30 days, you're gonna get pregnant. And by this time next year, you'll be dedicating your child on the stage. God is a God of miracles. He is a God of signs and wonders. And I just wanna announce prophetically that this is the beginning. I did the math for you. 40 days from today will be May 4th. If you're a Star Wars fan, you'd say, may the 4th be with you. That was, that was the Lord that it's May 4th, but I do believe over the next 40 days, family members far from God are coming home. Marriages that were on life support are gonna be revived. Husbands that have been away from God are gonna come home. Addicts are gonna get set free. Jesus is gonna heal the sick. He's gonna save the souls, and he's gonna get all the glory. If you believe it, say amen. So, the context here, 40 Days of Miracles. Jonah's a, one of my favorite books. I, I've been studying revivals in the Bible. 
kind of from Genesis to Revelations. There's, all, there's lots of revivals. There's, there's revivals of national importance. Daniel ushered in revivals with Nebuchadnezzar. Esther ushered in a revival that saved the entire Jewish nation. There's a revival of a woman at the well in John chapter 4 that Samaria experienced a move of God. There's a revival in, in Acts chapter 28 of the island of Malta that a leading citizen's father got healed and the whole island experienced miracles. But Jonah captures what scholars say is the most full-scale, 100% miracle revival in the Bible. We have 5,000 years of history documented, and out of those 5,000 years, there's never been one revival that 100% of a population group got, got saved. Jonah captures such revival. That's why I like it. And I like the fact that it's actually before Jesus came to the earth, so they're still under the law when Jesus would show the world great grace. And Jonah's powerful, chapter one, we hear about a guy named Jonah that gets a word from God to preach to Nineveh. The Ninevites were the great enemies of Israel. They, they murdered, they persecuted. They were the great enemies of the Hebrews. And so rightfully so, Jonah did not like the Assyrians. He did not like the Ninevites. He goes, I'll go anywhere except there. And so when God said, go to Nineveh, he went the opposite direction to Tarshish. We know the story in chapter one, he goes the other way. Chapter two, a storm hits. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a well. Some say that's impossible. It's impossible to be swallowed by a well and to survive for three days. I've actually read scientists that have said it could be possible. I don't argue it's impossible or not. As far as I'm concerned, if you can get past the first 10 words of Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The rest of the Bible is pretty easy to swallow. We serve a miracle working God. God wants to, if he wants bananas to grow on telephone poles, get ready to go pick some bananas. We serve a God that can do anything. But we know this story is legit because Matthew 12, Jesus actually validates the story of Jonah. And he says, as Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days and three nights, so the son of man must be. So I'm gonna guess that Jesus doesn't lie. So if he says that Jonah's story was real, it was real. Jonah chapter three is where we pick up reading. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. He learns how to pray inside of a well. And when he cries out to God, God actually throws him up onto the shore. Chapter three, verse one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. What time? Some of you today ignored God's first invitation to save your life. But today the word of the Lord comes to you a second time. Some of you have been running from God for 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. You can run from God. You just can't outrun God. He's better at chasing than you are at running. God's word came a second time. Watch what he says. Arise, go to the city of Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message, the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city. It was a three-day journey in extent, about 40 miles long, eight miles wide, if you're using uh, American uh, standards, which none of the rest of the world does. <laughs> Jonah began to enter the city the first day's walk. He cried out and he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. How many days? 40 days. Something powerful is gonna happen in 40 days. So Jonah... So the people, excuse me, verse five, maybe the sneakiest verse in the Bible. So the people of Nineveh believed. They believed God. 
The people proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. What he's saying is 100% of a wicked city turned to God. Verse six, then the word came to the king of Nineveh. He got off of his throne. He lay aside his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. He sat and he caused it to be proclaimed throughout the entire land of Nineveh by decree of the king and the nobles saying this, let nobody eat nor animal nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat. Do not let them drink water. But let a man and a beast be covered with sackcloth. Cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil. Let everyone turn from the violence that's in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn, if he will relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? I respect this king because he had no historical context for God having mercy on a wicked nation. But he had faith to believe maybe God will show us mercy. Then God saw their works. He saw their action, their response. He saw that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from disaster that he said that he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Verse chapter 4. But it, but it displeased Jonah, the emotional prophet, exceedingly. He became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. Watch what this emo prophet says. Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? That's why I fled to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious, you are a merciful God in loving kindness, that you're slow to anger, that you're abundant in loving kindness, and that you're one who relents from doing harm. Isn't it crazy? that the accusation against our God was that he is very loving, very gracious, and he's slow to want to punish people. I want to pray, but I do believe that we're going to experience 40 days. Something's going to shift in Western Australia. Something's shifting in this church. And there's a great revival that's going to, I believe it's going to hit the four corners of the earth. And this church is going to be at the forefront of a great awakening. Lord Jesus, we believe we believe that you can ignite a fire today that would sweep over Western Australia. We believe that it would revive families, it would revive hearts, it would revive businesses, and it would bring about, Lord, even a national, Lord, prosperity. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us today, meet us where we are, whether we're in disbelief or in full obedience. Meet us today, Lord Jesus. We ask you to come today in a powerful way, and we thank you for 40 days of documented medical miracles and miracles that would capture the heart and the imagination of the world. In Jesus' name we ask, in Jesus' name we pray, and God's people said amen. 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 I, uh, I mentioned at the men's retreat that I'm the youngest of three boys. I have, uh, my mom had three boys. I have two older brothers, uh, John and Lucifer. And... Um, I'm just kidding. His name was Satan. Um, I was kidding. Just fun to say that as the younger brother, right? I love my brothers, actually. I have great brothers. And uh, my, my brothers, so we had three boys. My mom had three boys. And uh, now all of my brothers were having girls. So I have two little girls, as I showed you in the picture. They're both great athletes, both really smart, both witty, both creative. 
Uh, but my, my youngest one, my oldest daughter's been playing sports since she was little. My youngest daughter, we haven't really put in sports yet. And it wasn't until about seven weeks ago, we signed her up. She's never played basketball before. Her older sister plays basketball. And she goes, Dad, I want to play basketball. So we signed her up. It was a co-ed. So there's boys and girls. There's seven-year-olds. So she shows up the first week. And I, I don't know what to expect. I'm expecting it to be, gonna, to be a seven-year-old sporting event. Bunch of kids running around like they're lost. But I show up, and to my surprise, my seven-year-old daughter is just this phenomenon athlete. She ends up scoring more points than the entire other team. She scores more points than anybody on her team. And for the last seven weeks, her team usually scores somewhere between 16 and 20 points, and she usually scores somewhere between 12 and 16 points a game. I'm like in disbelief. I'm like, how in the world is she so much like me? <laughs> Kidding. Her mom, her mom. Her mom's a great athlete. And uh, I'm just losing my voice, losing my mind. I'm shouting. I'm that obnoxious parent at the sporting event just cheering her on. But it's been so fun. The first week, I remember just being in disbelief. Every time she got the ball, she couldn't miss. She'd shoot the ugliest shots sometimes, but they would go in. She'd shoot all different angles. They would go in. And it was as though she could not miss the shot. She was making everything. And it reminded me of a, a game I watched in April of uh, 2016. It was the last basketball game of Kobe Bryant on the Lakers. His last game as an older player, he scored 60 points. Played 42 minutes, shot 44%. My cousin, Benny Perez, he was at the game. He said, Mark, I said, I said, Benny, that game was incredible. I said, what was it like? He said, Mark, it was like revival without God. I was hugging strangers, high-fiving people. He said every time he got the ball, it's like everyone knew it's going in. And when it went in, people began to cheer, shout, clap, lose their mind. He goes, Mark, it felt like revival. And it's funny, I felt like that when I was watching my seven-year-old. Felt like revival. I'm cheering, I'm looking for people to high-five, and I realize that my daughter is scoring all those points on all these people's kids. They didn't appreciate it as much. But I was praying, and what I felt, this message, is I just felt if I could give language to what I believe God is getting ready to do in Western Australia in this church, is I believe he's gonna answer prayers in a way that it's gonna feel like shooting shots that can't miss. I feel like God says to, to go where your greatest prayers will take you. It's, I heard it said, I shared this to the men, that when your memories become more powerful than your dreams, that's when you know you're getting old. And I feel like the Lord is asking you to begin to dream big dreams. And I heard the Lord saying, I want you to tear up the list of names of people that you think will never get saved. I want you to actually rip up the things that you believe that God can never do or never heal. This is a season of the impossible. If you believe it, say amen. I heard the Lord, just this picture, yeah. This picture of God going, I'll heal what people say can't be healed. I'll do what people say can't be done. And it'll be such a celebratory feeling of God answering prayers at such a high percentage level that you're going to want to high five your neighbors and strangers. You're going to say, come with me, come celebrate. Let's celebrate the Lord together. We're going to be like the people of old. The Lord has done great things for us. Yes, the Lord's done great things for them, and the Lord has done great things for us. 
I love this story of Nineveh because it's about 40 days and God shifting the landscape of a nation. Shifting the, net, the mindset of an entire people group. I heard the Lord saying as I was praying that I was going to heal. He said, Mark, you watch how I heal autoimmune conditions that doctors said would never recover from. You watch how I heal terminal cancer. You watch how I cure people that doctors said there's no hope for and no cures for. There's dead husbands that are going to spiritually come back to life. There's children that have been running from God for 10 years, 20 years, that they're coming back in the next 40 days. You mark my words. God is getting ready to respond to the faith of this church. And if you believe it, shout amen. Amen. The story is so powerful because Jonah is a, he is a catalyst of people saying, look, in 40 days, something's going to shift. I love the story because it is through the message of one man that a spiritual drought comes to an end. And I believe that the, the drought, so to speak, of this last season, the church of Australia has been under attack, but that drought is over and a new revival and a new move of God is on the, on the precipice of happening. God is raising up a new army, a new season, and a new body and a new bride that are going to usher in a great awakening to this land. You see, Nineveh reminded the world that regardless of your race, there is a grace. He reminded us through Jonah that there is a mission. And I believe that God has not changed his mind about any of those things. You see, God is a God of grace. When we flee, God prepares a well. When we're rebellious, God prepares a storm. When we're in the sun, God prepares a tree. And when we have arrogance, God prepares a worm. That's a story of Jonah. God's ability to prepare what we needed before we needed it. It's about a story of race. The Assyrians were the enemies of of the Hebrews, but God says, here's the problem. When we love plants more than we love people, we've lost our way. And that was the indictment of Jonah chapter four is he got so mad that the tree that he loved withered and died. And Jesus, and God spoke to him and he said, he said, you love this plant more than you think I love those 120,000 people that can't tell the difference between their left hand and their right hand. God says, I love people more than you love plants. And I believe that we're living in a window of history that God wants us to realize that he has love for people groups that we don't like. That he loves people that don't vote like us, talk like us, or live like us. This is the God that we serve. And he tells them, he says, Jonah, listen to me. I have a mission for you. And here's the good news. God used a rebellious prophet to reach a rebellious people. God can still do that today. God is such a good God. I know it's a crazy story. Really? Uh, A man being swallowed by a fish? Yeah, really. The same God that walked on water, turned water into wine, changed the molecular structure of water, turned it into wine. The God that raised the dead, the God that healed the blind eyes, he rescued by a well. Some would say it sounds fishy, but it's real. Jesus validated it. Jonah wasn't just a minor prophet, he was a missing prophet. And God used this man in a powerful, powerful way. I heard it said that God asked Jonah what he was doing traveling inside of the well. And he said, Nineveh business, God. Sorry, tough crowd. Nineveh was a great city. 
Back then, 120,000 people in a city would have been a major, major metropolitan area. He said they couldn't tell the difference between their left hand and their right hand. It took three days to walk across this city. He gave him 40 days. He said there's 40 days and something catastrophic, something large, cataclysmic is going to change. And I love the fact that this king responded with such faith that he said, no one's going to eat, not even your animals. And for 40 days, or for, 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 for several days, we're going to turn to God with all of our heart. And I love it because it demonstrates in this book God's love and mercy, even for people that weren't Jews under the law. It reminds us that God is a God that shows loving kindness to all nations, all tribes, all tongues. It shows us that God's methods for dealing with disobedient servants, that God is a God of grace and second chances. God sets forth a Messiah's ministry typology. You see, in chapter one, he's the disobedient prophet. In chapter two, he's the praying prophet. In chapter three, he's the preaching prophet. And in chapter four, he's the chastised prophet. What I know is this, is that when he was disobedient, God loved him enough to send him a storm. And I wanna just say on the record, I'm grateful for the storms that God has allowed me to go through. Because what I've learned biblically is there are some storms that'll perfect you, some storms that will protect you, and there's other storms that will flat out correct you. And I believe as human beings, we need all three. God will send a storm to perfect your faith, protect your faith, or to correct your faith. Some of you are in the middle of a storm right now. I wanna remind you that we serve a God that's rich in mercy. Notice that God didn't stop Jonah from saying no. God didn't stop Jonah from buying a boat ticket to go the other way. God didn't stop Jonah from actually getting onto the ship. He didn't stop him from leaving the port. And he didn't even stop him from going below deck and going to sleep. At some point, Jonah probably thought God was okay with his rebellion. But never mistake God's long suffering for his approval. Some of you have been running from God and you think God's okay with your dark lifestyle. No, he's not. He's just very long-suffering. Long-suffering comes from the idea that you're willing to suffer long because of the great love you have for somebody. I had a grandfather that was a military man. He was a godless man. He was a womanizer. He was a cheater. He was a liar. He wasn't a good human being. But guess what he was? He was my step-grandfather. And I remember praying for him when I got saved at 18. I prayed seven years for him. And God promised me, he said, Mark, if you serve me, your whole family will get saved. For I am the God of households. And I'll be honest, if there was anyone in my family that I could never imagine being a Christian, it was my grandpa Paps. Smoked like a chimney, drank like a fish, and any other thing that you can think of that sounds, that rhymes. Paps is a hard man, military man. And I remember one day I prayed, I was visiting home from Bible college, and he told me, he said, Mark, today's the day of salvation for Paps. And he said, Mark, I want you to be bold with your grandfather. And I remember having coffee with him in the backyard of my mom's house. And I said, Paps, Jesus is inviting you to come home. You've been away from him long enough. He loves you. He'll forgive you. And guess what? Not only will he help you to finish this life well, he'll give you everlasting life. Paps is a rough man. He said, I don't want to hear that preaching, Mark. I don't need that. And the Spirit of God came over me and I said, Paps, you're going to stop right now. 
you, you will not make all of your loved ones go to your funeral wondering what you did with Christ's salvation gift. It is free. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it, but it's available for you. Today's the day we make a choice, Paps. Don't you make the whole family wonder what you did with Christ's gift. And that day, tears begin to stream down his cheeks, begin to lead my grandfather to the Lord. His wife was a godless woman. She got saved at a church service about five years later. I've been able to lead everyone in my family that was away from God back to Jesus. My brothers, my grandparents, my stepbrothers, my cousins. I'm telling you that there is a God that'll save a household. There is a God that won't give up on anybody in your family. You might have given up, but God does not give up. And I want you to know that that storm, listen, that storm was crazy. Damaged the ship, they lost cargo, probably gave those crewmen trauma that they had to get counseling for the rest of their life. God used polytheistic sailors to throw them over the ship. Apparently through that whole ordeal, those sailors got saved. In chapter 1, verse 16, it says they called out to God. They used the covenant name Yahweh. So through Jonah, even the sailors got saved. God is a God of miracles. God is a God of salvation. You see, God will use a storm, but guess what else he'll use? Say with me, he'll use a fish. You know what I love about the fish? Is that he learned how to pray when he got swallowed by the fish. It says that God spoke to the fish to vomit him up on the dry land, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God prepared a fish. I want to remind you that God's ability to redeem is better than your ability to screw things up. You can try to destroy your life, but God's better at restoring than you are at destroying. This is the God that we serve. God will cut off generational curses in a moment. God will use what you thought was an enemy to become your ally. I love the story because the Assyrians and Nineveh, check this out, to whom Jonah was sent as a missionary, they worshiped two gods, Dagon and his female counterpart, the fish goddess called Nanshi. Jonah, of course, we know did not go straight to Nineveh, but he was brought there by miraculous means of a fish. The transportation God provided for Jonah, a great fish, would have been full of meaning to the Ninevites. When Jonah arrived at their city, he made quite the splash, so to speak. Tough crowd. He was a man who had been inside of a fish for three days, directly deposited by the fish on the dry land. Check this out. The Ninevites who worshiped the fish god, they weren't duly impressed. They gave Jonah their undivided attention and they repented of their sin because the God they worshiped threw up a man that proclaimed a greater God. And I want you to know that you might worship alcohol, you might worship sex, you might worship money, but there is a God that is greater than all of those things. This is the story of Jonah. I love the fact that God used a sinner to reach a sinful city. God sends someone rebellious to reach the rebellious. God will send a business leader to reach a business leader. God will use a, God will use a man to reach a man and a woman to reach a woman. God will use you to, use, to reach your neighborhood. Jonah's testimony, I love it. It wasn't 30 years old. It was three days old. Sometimes we want 30 years before we share what God has done in our life. 
I gotta wait until there's 20 years of freedom before I get up on a stage and say, God set me free 20 years ago. You know, I love Jonah because he wasn't scared to share a fresh testimony. His testimony was still wet. It was a fresh testimony. Listen, when did God set you free? Three days ago. When did God deliver you of your eating disorder? Three days ago. When did God break off that pornography addiction? Three days ago. How long has it been since your last drink? Three days ago. Last hit of the hit of the marijuana. Three days ago. He didn't wait for years. He had days. But he proclaimed boldly what God has done recently. And I believe that these next 40 days, we must declare boldly what God has done recently. Some of you won't see the miracle until you vocalize, I am healed. Some of you won't see the victory until you declare, I am victorious. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord. Sometimes you have to say it before you see it. And we have a generation that says, I'll believe it when I see it. The problem is that's not faith. Faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things not yet. Faith isn't faith if you see it. Faith is faith when you see it before it comes. And that's what I'm inviting you into this God invitation. Let's see marriages revive before we see it. Let's see children running home before they come home. Let's see bodies being healed before they're healed. And let's say it before we see it. We got a church that has less faith in the world. We got a church that's, that's complaining the problems but not praying the promises. It says all the promises of God are yes and they are. Sometimes we gotta say this is a promise of God. And over the next 40 days, I'm declaring it is yes and it is. What are the areas that you're believing God for miracles in the next 40 days? This is, I know it's crazy. It was a fresh testimony. It was a fishy testimony, but it was his testimony. You see, the truth is, God will bring fish and he'll allow storms because every one of us have a city that God wants us to reach. Every, your city might not be 120,000 people. For some of you, your city are those kids that you're raising that have your last names. For some of you, your city is the classroom that you teach at the elementary school. For some of you, it's the, it's the boardroom that you share with all of your peers. Every one of you have a city. And if you're waiting for a microphone and a stage to be used by God, you'll never be used by God. But if you'll say, you know what? God made me a businesswoman. God made me a plumber. God made me an educator. God made me an investor. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna preach the message that God has given me to preach. See, when we realize that our city is the people that are around us, we say, God, show me how you love them. And I told the men this yesterday, it's easy to get prophetic when you ask God to give you a love for the people that you see. When you love what God loves, you feel what God feels. And when you feel what God feels, you'll begin to say what God says. Do you know that you're God's voice on the earth? Do you know that it requires, God requires a voice verification that, it's, that, he, that we say things twice. He says it, and when we say it, it happens. We gotta line our words up with his words. So he said, arise, go to the city. Are you still with me today? And preach the message that I will tell you. 
Jonah's testimony was fresh, but he went to that city and the man that came out of their God proclaimed the message about the one true God. And everybody flipped the gray switch. Animals, kids, men, women, they stopped eating and they turned to God. And I believe this, that when men and women will realize there is a city, there is a sphere of influence that God has given us a message for, we will see a revival. We will see a spiritual awakening. Here's the problem though. What are you gonna do when God sends you to somebody that you don't like? What are you gonna do when God tells you to love somebody that you don't normally love? You see, God does his greatest work when we'll begin to love what he loves and care about what he cares about. They changed a city. See, what happened inside of Jonah was greater than what happened inside of the fish. There was a great awakening that happened inside of Jonah. And I believe that today there was a great awakening happening. In Jonah 1 and 2, he was the prodigal son. In Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 4, he was the older brother. But God can use the younger brother and the older brother to bring about his revival. And I'm telling you that Australia is primed for revival. I'm telling you the world is. And I'll tell you, the devil can destroy the world fast with COVID. God can restore the, the world even faster. You see, I believe that in every revival, there's nine traits. In every revival in history, as I've studied them, number one, they all occur in times of moral darkness and national depression. It's weird that God uses the adversity of the world to cause the wings of the church to rise. Every revival happens not when things are going good, it's when things are going bad. I would say that that looks about right today. They always occur, each begin in the heart of a consecrated servant of God who has made up his mind to be God's spark to ignite fire. That every revival has in common. Number three, each revival rested on the Word of God. Mostly when men and women were dedicated to preaching the Word of God with boldness. Fourthly, each revival, all of them caused people to return to the worship of God. I had friends that went to Asbury University in America. And there was this, there was no famous preachers, no great musicians. To be honest, it was pretty, pretty underwhelming. But they said there was a genuine love to worship God. And they said you would get into this room with, with thousands of people. The music wasn't very good. The sound wasn't very good. But the presence of God was so rich. They said, they said two hours felt like 10 minutes. Revival makes us want to worship again. And I'll tell you, in every revival I studied, all of them resulted in the destruction of idols. It led men and women to say, it's time to get rid of my idols. We don't have gold statues in most of our houses today, but some of you worship entertainment, some of you worship pleasure, some of you worship travel, some of you, some of you cried out to God when you were struggling and God blessed you so much, but the blessing of God blessed you out of church. Don't ever let the blessing of God become better than the blesser. Amen. And they destroyed their idols. Each revival was recorded that people lost their desire to sin. There was a sensitivity to sin in every revival. In every revival, people returned to obeying God's word. In every revival, there was a restoration of great joy and gladness. And here's the interesting thing. In every revival I've studied, 
there's always followed by a window of national prosperity. I believe that Australia is prime for revival. And I believe that there's gonna be 40 days of miracles that are gonna cause a citywide revival. And that citywide revival is gonna be like a little snowball. Snow's white, it's in the mountains. I know I'm in Western Australia. Thought I had to explain that metaphor. But it's like a snowball that gets larger and larger as it goes down the hill. I don't think God's gonna stop May 4th, but I believe he wants to do something the next 40 days that would elevate the faith of this nation for the future. If you believe that God can do it, would you give him 10 seconds of great praise? You can stand to your feet. The early church lived in a continued state of revival. And I believe we should also. Here's the question. Shall we be the book of the Bible? Shall we, shall we be the church of the book of Acts? Or shall we not? The world deserves an encounter with God. And if the church is not on fire, I believe that we will miss our window. So 40 days, I prophesy, physical miracles. Someone's believing for a house, there's gonna be house miracles. Someone's believing for property, there's gonna be property of lands that I loose in Jesus' name. Some of you have been believing for a raise or a prominent position to be unlocked. In the next 40 days, God's gonna give you that promotion. Someone's actually gonna skip two, two elevations. And there's gonna be story after story. I prayed this, I, I felt this one time in our church and I told the guy, I said, there's gonna be like, four, there's gonna be a couple days, God's gonna do something significant, significant. I gave him a date. God gave me this word of knowledge. And uh, he said he had $800 in his account, his investment account. And I, I think I told him it was like 30 days, God's gonna do a miracle. 30 days later, he had $40,000. It went from 800 to $40,000. It was like 30, 30 days or something. I remember one Sunday, God gave me a word of knowledge. There was a man getting ready to go bankrupt. And that week, God was gonna get him out of bankruptcy and that he was gonna give him a new opportunity vocationally and that he would make more money in that next year than he's ever made in the past. That guy called me the next morning. I met him that Sunday. He, had, he owned a used car dealership. He was gonna file bankruptcy. And he had a friend that invited him the next morning. He said, we're gonna hire you. He hired him. And that next day, the first day on the job, he was getting trained and he landed the largest client in the history of this office. They had to hire 32 more employees to be able to facilitate this new client. He went on over the next 12 months to make multi-millions of dollars. Became one of the largest givers in our church. But it was one word that went from bankruptcy to actually prominence. You one of those faith preachers? What's the alternative? No, I'm a doubt preacher. No, no, no. I don't believe that we name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. I don't, I'm not saying if you serve God, you're gonna have a Rolex and a jet. I am telling you this though, that God will take care of his kids. I've seen, I've lived long enough to see the righteous never forsaken, and I've never seen their children begging for bread. I'm not promising you that you're gonna get rich, but I am promising you that God's gonna take care of you. Are you hearing me today, church? Do you receive that? There's miracles. If you're believing for 40 days, relational miracles, miracles of salvation, my brother was addicted to methamphetamine for 15 years. 
And I prayed for 15 years. And guess what? It was six months ago. Remember, I had a, I had a call with him. I prayed for him. And God broke something off of his life. It, it felt like what I feel today for this church. And literally, you know how long he's been sober? Six months. Didn't go to rehab, just miraculously. He's been sober for six months. He drives two hours to come to my church now. Listen, God can do it in my family, you can do it in your family. I'm prophesying. Someone has terminal illness. There's a famous lady in our church. She owns like one of the largest networks in the world, in Canada. She lives in our church. She got terminal cancer. They gave her one year to live. Went to her house, major mansion, brought oil. I'm old school. Come on, somebody. Anointed her with oil. My wife and I did. We prayed the prayer of faith. Nothing happened. She didn't shake, rattle, or roll. But what was crazy is we left. We prayed for about two months. She went to Canada to do one last farewell tour to her home nation, brought her grandkids. In Canada, she started feeling better. She came home and she goes, I want to know how much more time I have left. So they ran a scan of her body. She had cancer from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. All in her spine, all of her organs were full of cancer. They ran a scan of her body from the top of her head to the bottom of their feet. They didn't find one cancerous cell in her body. Yes, real story. Just happened. It happened in December. She planned this. She would always do a Christmas party in her mansion. And this Christmas party was supposed to be her last Christmas party. So they rented a Cinderella carriage. It was just all out. They, I mean, they, they probably spent a fortune on this, on this party. It was supposed to be her farewell party. And she got up in the who's who of California. There's celebrities and actors and famous business people and billionaires. I mean, you name it, they're all at this house. And I'm there. And her husband gets up and he goes, well, this was supposed to be Judy's farewell Christmas party. But she said, this church we started going to this year began to pray for my wife. She said, our pastor Mark and his wife Rochelle came over here in this house and anointed my wife. And they said, well, they were supposed to, she's supposed to be gone this year. This is supposed to be the last party. But over the last two months, Jesus has healed her body. And there is now no longer any cancer in her body. And this mansion full of people begin to celebrate. And they realize there is still a God in heaven that is still doing the impossible. We did a testimony of it. It's gone around the world. Her daughter's on a television show and they've, it's, it's, everyone's hearing about a God that's healing. Our church is known as the church that believes for miracles. You want to make fun of miracles? You won't like our church. But the moment you need one, you'll know where to go. And I believe that's what's going to happen to this church. This is a cancer-free zone. This is a miracle zone. Come on, if you believe in church, say amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.